Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I feel like there's going to be possibly a bunch of new listeners on today's show just by the nature of the title and that people are going to want the juicy details and also know how to do this for themselves. So for those of you that don't know me, I am Monica Yates, the host of the Feminine as Fuck podcast show. You can find me on Instagram, check out my details on the website. Everything is below that you need. So I feel like this has been a podcast long time coming. So many of you are curious to know the details of my relationship. As many of you would know, I am newly engaged. Um, My boyfriend and now fiance asked me on November 19th, 2022, so this year, to spend the rest of my life with me and marry me. And of course, I was a ball of tears and said yes a million times. And then I proceeded to make him walk back to with me the spot the next day, just so that I could go back to that moment and take it all in again. (laughs) So I'm going to walk you guys through how we met, our relationship, details that I'm sure you want to know, and I have no doubt that we will do a Q&A sometime next year. Um, he is not the most public person, so it might take a little bit of convincing to get him on the podcast, but I know it will happen eventually. So for now, enjoy the details that you guys are going to get in today's episode, and there will be a part two because I doubt this is going to stay within a reasonable time frame. I will say that obviously I am leaving out some details for his privacy that goes without saying. And uh, I appreciate you guys not being too nosy with sending a heap of DMs and everything on Instagram and just respecting that I really like keeping my relationship private. So let's start with that. Obviously for the last five plus years, so for the last five years, I've been running my coaching business. It's obviously been very successful for the years prior to that. And I'm going to actually have an about a new about me episode coming out um, January of next year, like the first week of January. So it's like a new year episode. So obviously for those of you that have been following me for a very long time, I started my um, business with food blogging. For the last five years, I've had a very successful coaching business and I have shared a lot of my life online. In the beginning of my business, I shared a lot more than what I share now. Again, the nature of, you know, growing up, of having new people in your life, of things changing, of life getting busier, there being more things going on in my business, all that kind of stuff. So I go in and out of phases of sharing things, sharing a lot of details, not sharing a lot of details, all that jazz. I will say though, and I'm sure many of you have picked it up. I know some of you get kind of nosy about this in DMs and I will say, I don't love it. So I appreciate those of you that don't. Um, I don't appreciate, like what I don't like is the pressure. And this is why I have kept my relationship private. A lot of people that um, don't fully understand Instagram. So some of his friends, for example, that he's not active on Instagram. So a lot of his friends that are, you know, active on Instagram within just their social circle, they have asked him, why does she not post you on Instagram? Like, why does she never show your face? Why does she not blah, blah, blah. They see it as like, I'm not serious about him, which is so funny because I see it as I am so horrendously, horrendously serious about our relationship. And I love that it is private. The reason why I love that it is private is because obviously I feel like 90% of my life is pretty public. You guys get a lot of details about things on the podcast, in emails, 
blah, blah, blah. With my book coming out, I doubt it's going to get any less private. And I've really, really enjoyed just being in a love bubble and I still enjoy it. I enjoy me having one thing special to me that you guys don't know about. You know that I am in a, you know, committed relationship and you know that I'm now engaged. You know, you know, you've known for a while that I've had a boyfriend and blah, 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 but you don't see his face. You don't know his name blah, blah, blah. And the reason why that is the case is because I just want to respect the way that I feel at this present time. He will eventually be shown on my Instagram. He will, I will obviously eventually share his name and, you know, his face and all that kind of stuff. And that will happen. People have asked, especially since getting engaged, that will happen when I feel ready. And I don't feel ready right now. And that's not because of anything to do with our relationship or with him or anything in terms of like, you know, some wound within me. It's actually, I don't want to, I really enjoy. And people that are on Instagram get this. My friends that also have business on Instagram completely understand this. I love it just being us. I love feeling like people aren't nosy and people aren't asking me questions and people don't know about our relationship. And I don't want the fucking DMs of you haven't posted him in a few weeks. Are you guys still together? Like what? I don't want to feel that pressure from people that I don't know. That will come obviously. And I completely understand that. And I'm, I don't really care about it. And for now, whilst I don't need to share, I'm not going to share. So that is the reason of why I have kept my relationship private and why I, you know, still to this day will, it is private. When I eventually start sharing him, it is because I'm at a place where I feel ready for that. And, um, I feel like I have been able to soak in our little secret relationship for as long as I possibly can. Okay. So going on to details about how we met, I did post an Instagram live a little while ago earlier in the year when I announced that I was leaving uh, New York where I shared how we met, but I want to share it again because I feel like, you know, for most of us, podcasts are a lot easier to listen to. Okay. So this is the best story in the world. And I will say that our story helps, has helped a lot of my friends believe that fate does exist and it still exists. And it has reminded me that, oh my God, Fate exists and everything is happening for a reason down to the fucking second. You are being so divinely guided and protected and loved and just like, oh my God, don't fucking settle. Like I want to say a few things actually before we even get into this. One, please do not settle both ladies and men. Don't settle for a relationship that you think is good because you can't find anything else or, you know, you just, you don't want to be single again. So it's just easier saying yes to this person and being with this person forever. Please, for the love of God, don't settle. And the reason why I say don't settle is because we say this to ourselves all the time, him and I, there are so many people that are in really half-assed relationships. And I know this because I have clients that are in half-assed relationships or I've had clients in half-assed relationships. And it makes me sad because I didn't even, I didn't, I knew a love out there, I knew a love like this existed, but I also feel like I didn't. We love each other so much to the point that it fucking annoys us. I'm not joking. We will be in the house sometimes or like wherever we are. And one of us will just randomly start screaming. And it's, it's literally because we don't know how else to get this love, like this energy out of us because it is 
so like overwhelming. There will be times where we say to each other, I actually am angry with how much I love you. Like it fucking annoys me because I, I am not focusing or whatever it is, or we're distracting each other or we're giggling too much. And it takes me three hours to make fucking dinner because we're being stupid with each other or whatever it is. Like we do it to ourselves. We do it to each other all the time. And if I can say one thing, if you can take one thing out of today's episode, it is a reminder to please not settle. This doesn't mean that people are perfect. He's not perfect. I'm not perfect. He's perfect for me, but I mean, he's not perfect in that. Like, of course he has flaws. I have flaws. We all have things. Nobody is perfect. So I don't want anyone out there thinking that they're going to find this perfect fucking person that never annoys them. That No. But what I do want people to know is that a love that makes them angry because they're so in love, that is possible. A lot of people, they won't wait for the right person because they'll settle. They'll get, they'll get edgy. They'll get bored. They'll get afraid that they'll be alone forever. They will not be in alignment is the biggest one. Now, obviously I'm bringing in like a more spiritual faith approach to what I'm about to say. And even, you know, for anybody listening, that's like manifestation is bullshit. I'd probably just get off this episode because, or don't listen to me because I am a big believer that manifestation is not bullshit. And in fact, it's science. So anyone that thinks that manifestation is like a cult or something, it's not a cult. It's fucking science. It's called physics. This is really, really important. The law of attraction, Get read into it if you haven't already. I've got episodes about it. If you go into the podcast directory, we'll link it below. You can control F and search whatever you want to search for listening to other episodes about law of attraction, manifestation, X, Y, and Z. I cannot tell you the importance of doing the work on yourself to heal your trauma, to heal your blocks, to heal your wounds. That is going to be the thing that allows you to manifest the life, the man, the career, whatever it is that you are desiring. I have no doubt in my mind, and it's happened to plenty of other clients, I have no doubt in my mind that we met at this time. We actually crossed paths multiple times, but I will tell you about that in a second. We met at this time because I had done all of the work I needed to done. I'd figured out as much as I needed to before I was in this relationship with him. And he had done the same. He said to me, and he says to me, he said to me a very, a lot early on and still says this randomly, but now it's like, like I know it already. He would say, if you met me six months earlier, you wouldn't even give me the light of day. You would just be like, you wouldn't, it wouldn't even cross your mind to engage with me. He had to do his own stuff. I had to do my own stuff. Now, granted, I had done my healing work a lot early, like many years earlier than than him. A lot of people had to do a lot of self-discovery during the pandemic. I'd done a lot of work on myself. Like I would say I did 80% of my stuff around the end of 2018. Now, it is obviously a continuing journey with doing work on yourself. So from that moment forward, I have continued to heavily work on myself and heal myself. I obviously had a really big ski accident that happened that, you know, I had multiple surgeries, more healing came up at every single moment of those. I had to heal a lot of shit from COVID 
and being away from my family and the anxious attachment style that arose out of that, that I had no idea that I even had because I'd never been put in a situation like that, that would really trigger that to come up. For example, I healed a lot of my own stuff. And, and what I also want to say, and I said this before in that codependent episode that I did, I think it was in that one, um, or maybe in just another episode, dating people can help you to also figure out any last remaining things that remaining things that you need to heal. So I dated a lot um, before I met him. And in dating, I healed any last little remaining thick things. I learned a lot about how to date. That's literally how I created the embodiment of dating. I went hardcore on dating all sorts of different guys from all walks of different life. And I'm talking different kind of people. I met them in different ways. I engaged with them in different ways, different men, different ages, different careers, different personalities, different levels of empathy and emotional awareness, all that kind of stuff. And that's literally how I created embodiment of dating. Um, but I had done so much work on myself. I was at a place where I was just so happy doing me. I was at a, I actually was dating somebody else at the time. Funnily enough, I was at a place where I was not chasing any man. I was not engaging in a man that wasn't chasing me. I was not giving out too much of my energy. I was ensuring energy leaks were closed. I was being very, very sacred with my time. I was very, very happy. Now, my mom, because I know that she's going to come onto the podcast in January to talk about interior design and everything. My mom will also say, well, and she loves to say this, I think I had a role to play in it because I came over in January and you just needed mummy love before you could meet him. So we'll also throw that in. I had been away from my family for two years, two and a bit. I hadn't seen my parents and I'm close to my family. It doesn't mean we don't, we don't have a perfect family relationship. Everyone's got their shit, right? But daughters need their mothers. Of course we all want, even if you don't have, you know, a great family at the end of the day to feel fully loved is what we want. And I just had a really bad, I had another bad surgery on my knee um, before I met him in New York. And like, shit was tough. I, I was, I was still going through things in my personal life as a result of the pandemic and just people being people, you know, it was like, there was another uproar of whatever that fucking, like the Omicron one and people just being fucking weird again. And I, I got really clear on my energy. Anyway, enough about me. He was in a situation where he was so sick of dating. And I, by the way, anything I mentioned about him, I've actually clarified with him that I'm cool to say. Um, so he was very, very, very single. He'd had a very, very long-term relationship before. Uh, he was very, very single. Everyone knows that he says it all the time and he kind of just jokes about it with himself. And he's so glad that he was. And I am so glad that I waited for him. You know, I know that I wasn't as single as him, um, you know, and that I, whatever, But what he said to me when I first spent, like when we spent our first weekend together after we met, I'll go through and like how we met in a second is I just want to kind of give this like, I'm just, I'm just flowing with where I need to flow for this episode. What he said to me was just, I will never forget. I remember the exact place we were in the car, like on what road he said to me, cause he was telling me about how single he'd been. And I, I think I must've asked him like, you don't like go out on dates. Like you just can't be bothered or like, what's the vibe? And he said to me, he said, I just can't be fucked or bothered. He probably didn't say fucked because I'm Australian. He's not. He probably, I think he just said I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered going out on dates and spending my time 
and energy and money on a woman that I know is not going to be my wife. And I was like, whoa. And you flew me down to Atlanta so I could spend, so I could be like your date to your birthday thing tonight so that we can then fly to go skiing the next morning and be with each other the whole weekend. And you're paying for everything and we're going quite a far way away to go skiing. And usually you can't even be bothered to go out for a drink with a woman that you know is not going to be your wife. And I remember that moment so clearly because I was like, whoa, I love that. I thought that was such a fucking turn on. And the reason why I say this is because for somebody that is ready and wants a committed relationship, I personally do not think there is anything sexier than someone that is committed to respecting their time and they don't want to engage with people that they know they don't want to be in a relationship with. Like, you know, when you meet someone, whether it's a yes or no, I've said this example all the time. I'm going to say it again. If I met a guy in a bar and he was like, oh my God, I hate skiing. I hate snow. I hate winter. If I was not going to date him, am I serious about being in a committed relationship and being with the man of my dreams? No, because that guy is definitely not a man of my dreams because the man of my dreams absolutely has to ski because I know myself, but a lot of people will just engage with it anyway. And I want to say that's okay. You're allowed to, you know, you're allowed to be in a place in your life where you would just like to date around. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that people that want to be in a committed relationship they do really respect their own time and themselves in X, Y, and Z. Okay. Let me go into how we met. Someone's calling me. They need to shut up. Okay. How we met. So I was on a ski trip that I'd planned for months prior. I was skiing in Colorado at one of my favorite resorts. I've grown up skiing there. And my parents actually came over earlier than planned and they just came and kind of crashed my ski trip. I'd already booked all the accommodation and you guys know me, I always book a big house because I like a big kitchen and whatever. Um, I had the dogs and everything. So I needed a house anyway, not just like a little apartment. So they came over, they stayed with me, la la la. The day that I met him, it was January 22nd, the day that I met him, um, I was just skiing alone. I don't oft, I, I wouldn't often ski with my parents just because like I go faster than them. They're really great skiers as well. Just obviously they're older. I'm younger. Duh. Um, so I was skiing by myself. I had my music in. I was doing my thing. You guys know my ski outfits. I was in, I was in my black ski outfit that day. So in my all black onesie. And it's funny because people that often see me in the all black onesie, they assume I don't know how to ski because I have my hair out, you know, based on a look. It's okay. We're allowed to be, we're, you know, like it's, people get so wound up in you shouldn't judge people by their looks and agreed you shouldn't, but the reality is, is that we do. And if I saw a chick in all black onesie looking cute with a little bum bag on and her blonde curled hair, you know, out of her helmet, I'd also probably be like, oh my God, she does not know how to ski. I know how to ski. For anyone that doesn't know, I actually trained to be a ski instructor back in 2015. Anyway, beside the point. So he had actually seen me just briefly ski down the end of the run. And I, like he'd seen me, I caught his eye, whatever. I hadn't seen him, was off my own fucking world in my winter wonderland, very happy. He was with his friend and I went up the singles line. Now, if you don't know how to ski, there's like group lines and singles line. The single line doesn't mean that you are single. The singles line means that you are 
you are getting on the chairlift as one person. So often that singles line is just shorter because the, the, the line with groups have a long, it's like a longer queue or whatever. So I just zipped up the singles line. He was with his friends. Now he had seen me coming up. I still hadn't seen him. I, they were getting on the chairlift, like going in on their two. And I just basically came up, got in as a three, got on the chairlift. Wasn't thinking about it. Obviously, yes, I saw two guys. We are dressed head to toe. You can't see each other. Like you got a helmet, goggles, a neck roll, a big outfit on. Like you don't know what someone looks like when they're skiing. I'm telling you, you do not know what someone looks like when you're skiing. The amount of times I've been in ski groups and then we go to have lunch. Like this is like when we're ski training or in ski school or whatever. I remember when we were younger and everyone would take their clothes off, like their helmet and everything off. And everyone would be like, whoa, you look so different to what I thought. It's hilarious. Anyway, so we get on the chairlift and we don't remember who started talking to who. So it was me, his friend in the middle, and then him on the other side. One of us started talking, whatever, and we struck up a conversation. As we were talking, the conversation came up of like, do you know the mountain, like powder skiing, where to ski? Oh, that's right. That morning was incredible skiing. Lots and lots of powder, blue sky day, just absolutely incredible. And that day, actually, I was planning on having a half day of skiing because I skied really hard the day before. And I had to kind of be a little bit careful of my knee as I just had this surgery like three weeks prior, blah, blah, blah. Or like maybe, maybe it was like four weeks prior, whatever. Anyway, point being is, um, is, uh, we were on the chairlift and he wanted to know where was a really good place to ski or something like that. They didn't know the mountain very well. So yeah, they asked where the best place is to ski. And we had much more of a conversation, but I can't remember it all. What I do remember is them wanting to know where to ski. I told them that this this certain back bowl was incredible this morning. The the morning light is on it. So you need to ski there in the morning. Don't ski there in the afternoon because it's really cold and it gets really icy because the sun isn't on it anymore. But the powder is really good. Stay far left. Like when you're at the top of the mountain looking down, go far left. The powder is incredible. It's like double black, deep like mount a deep powder, also some moguls. It's pretty intense. So like be alert. Um, they were like, great, 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 blah, blah, blah. We get, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like bye. Getting off the chairlift again, minding my own business, whatever. I will say I am always in the mindset when I'm skiing of making ski friends. At this point in time, I really didn't have any ski friends, at least not that I knew of. The friends that I didn't that that, that um, did know how to ski weren't at the same level as me. Nothing wrong with that. It's just that when you're a pretty proficient skier, there's nothing that grinds your gears more than waiting for people and doing like you know greens and blues. I want the hard stuff. So I didn't have any ski friends. So whenever I'm skiing, I'm always in the mindset of making friends and blah, blah, blah. And actually the day prior, I like made a friend on the chairlift and we kind of skied around that day, but there was like no vibe or anything. And again, I wasn't there to get a vibe. I was actually seeing somebody else. Anyway, I asked my parents, so it wasn't like I was going to take anybody home. Um, anyway, and so I get off the chairlift and I'm maybe like three meters in front of them. And my now fiance kind of calls out like, Hey, can we follow you? Are you going to that bowl? And I was like, yes, I am going to that bowl. So they wanted to follow me. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. But I also, in my head was like, you fucking better keep up. Like I'm not waiting for you if you're slow. (sighs) Funnily enough, later that day, I find out that he, and he actually asked me, are you an Olympic skier? Very flattered. Now he will say to everybody, he's a better skier than me, whatever. Um, but it was just because he thought that because 
one, ASA, I'm a good skier, but two, I'm really good on flat. So when you have to traverse, when it's like a flat run, you have to be, it's like kind of like ice skating. You're pushing your skis outwards to get momentum. And it requires a lot of core. I've done Pilates forever, whatever. I've got really good balance. I've got very good core, like body coordination. So I was really good on traverse, like traversing, and they could not keep up, which I thought was so funny. Anyway, so we're skiing together and I go to the bathroom um, and I take my helmet off and everything to go to the bathroom. And when I come out, he's also taken his helmet off and everything. I find out later he did that on purpose because he wanted to make sure that I knew what he looked like. So he already had a bit of a thing for me. Like he thought I was cute, whatever, on the chairlift as we're skiing. I didn't give a flying hoot. Um, I actually thought he was a bit of a douche. Um, so, which is really funny when we were skiing later that day together, cause we kind of skied the whole day together. And when we skied later that day together, he was telling me about his job, works for Delta. It's great. Like gets to fly everywhere, whatever. And I just thought, what a douche, like what you just fly everywhere and just like go out and flirt with a bunch of women and bang a bunch of chicks. Like, ugh, not my vibe. And just like, just no thanks. Let me tell you, he is the most loyal man you will ever meet. Like you cannot judge a book by its cover, not a book by its cover. You cannot judge someone on like their words. Cause again, interpretation. Cause what's so funny is that when I told him that he's like, I don't even remember saying that. Like what? That's not a douchey call. Like he didn't think anything of it. Um, lens, right? Like we all have our lens on. Anyway, so um, what was I going to say? So yeah, we skied the rest of the day together. We had heaps of fun. I do remember when he took his helmet and everything off, I was like, oh, he's kind of cute. But I just thought, ski buddy, fuck yes, I have a ski buddy. He can work remotely. We can ski whenever. He's a great skier. Like he seems like fun and nice and cool. And they're staying at the Ritz. So clearly they can afford nice accommodation because as you guys know, I don't like staying in dumps only because I got to do my client calls and environment's really important to me and blah, blah, blah. So and a lot of people when they ski, it's just like they'll stay wherever because they're just skiing all day. And I completely get that. I'm just not like that. And I was like, you're saying at the Ritz, this is fucking fantastic. I have somebody that's kind of, you know, on the same playing field as me, beautiful. So we ski the rest of the day. I have to go and let butter and jelly out. So I leave them for a little bit and he like asked him my number. So I give him my number and he sends me his location and I, no one ever had sent me their location. Like, sorry, like shared their location with me. I was kind of like, like I never had had this happen. May, I think it's quite an American thing for everyone to share the location. Maybe it's not an Australian thing, or I just didn't have any friends that had done this with me before. I replied to him being like, why do you share your location? That's kind of creepy. Or like, is this so I can stalk you or something? And he gives me the sassiest response by back going, it's until the end of the day. And I was kind of, I, I remember the run that I was on and I was kind of like, oh, like, okay, this guy's a bit weird. Like I'm not engaging with this anymore. Like I just not here for like, not here for the douchey dudes. Anyway, and uh, walked butter and jelly and then he texted me something or other, I don't know, whatever. We caught up again later that day, again, just to ski together. I'm really not thinking anything romantic. I'm like, I have a ski friend. This is fantastic. That's all I cared about. 
I am just quickly interrupting the episode to let you guys know that I am filling up one-on-one spaces for 2023. So if you know that you would like to be a one-on-one client of mine, please make sure that you reach out so that you can snag one of those spaces as I do not take that many one-on-one clients. Obviously, there is Queen Alchemy, there is a feminine CEO, there is a bunch of other programs that you can join that is still fantastic. And I know there are so many of you that would really benefit off the one-on-one component of things. And I completely understand that it can feel scary to take that leap to invest in yourself in time and in money. What I want you to think about is do you want in six months time to be able to look back and be like, thank God I did that because I am so fucking happy. Because whilst it might be some sticky six months as we get through all of your shit, I can almost guarantee you, especially if you show up and do the work, of course, I can guarantee you, because I've done it for a million other people, that you will feel 10 million times better. I'm talking clear skin, balanced hormones, not only that, no demons in your head, relationship with food healed, no longer a control freak, your anxiety isn't debilitating you, you're no longer having flashbacks, you have the most amazing sex of your life, your body doesn't feel numb all the time, you're not in fight or flight all the time, all of the things that you are struggling with, I can help you to get rid of because all that's happening is your body is stuck in a trauma cycle. You have energetic blocks and emotional blocks and trauma in your body that is causing your physical body to have these continuous somatic experiences of you being triggered, of the hot flashes, of the sweaty palms, of you going into fight or flight, where you're feeling absolutely panicked in moments where you're like, why the hell am I stressed? You feeling like your throat gets blocked when you try and speak up or you're afraid of seeing your ex because you're so worried about what he's going to think of you or you're holding yourself back because of perfectionism or you're procrastinating all the time. All of these things are symptoms of something much, much deeper. And I know that they annoy you every single day. I know that you're sick of them and I know that you want them gone. And here's your invitation to get them gone because this will be the best thing that you will ever do for yourself. Every day, I am grateful for me doing this work on myself because it has allowed me to manifest everything I have in my life with so much ease. It's allowed me to be so happy, to have so much freedom in my mind, body, and soul, to heal all of my issues, to have healthy relationships, a healthy relationship with food, to be able to love my body, to be able to love myself, to never be worried about fear of judgment or rejection or a need of validation. It has helped me in every single way area of my life. So if you just want to be able to come to one person and get it all fixed, I'm your woman. Send me an email and I can't wait to meet you. So I get him to add me on Instagram as well. The reason why like I get, like I, like he added me on Instagram and I kind of was like, add me on Instagram is because I don't know about you guys, but I find it really hard to keep a like kind of new friendship going via text. Like what the fuck do you text about? You're not flirting with each other. Um, And like, no offense, but like adults, no one has time to be like, hey, how was your day as adults? But what's great about Instagram is that like he could reply to my Instagram stories and it would just spark conversation to keep this friendship going because I was so kind of desperate for ski friends. So that happened. He had me on Instagram, whatever. He still to this day remembers remembers this this Instagram post that made him go, whoo. Um, he like showed he like showed it to me and everything. And what was funny was 
earlier this year when we were in Greece, we actually scrolled through our text thread and took t- tons of screenshots. We have them of our texts from early on. It was the best thing that we did together. I recommend that for any of you that are in a relationship that can do that. It's just fun to go back to those moments. Anyway, so later, so I went home, whatever, wasn't thinking about it at all. Later that night, um, uh, what was I going to say? Later that night, he texted me much later and was like, just got in, we, like, we just got into Denver. Um, like, hope you had a good rest of your ski day. And I remember thinking, why the fuck is this guy telling me they got to Denver like at 1 a.m.? Don't care. Like, cool, whatever. So, like, do not care. Um, and I, I will say also, actually, on the, on the last chairlift or when you were last skiing, he mentioned to me that him and some, was it, wait, was it then? It was then or when you we were initially talking. I think it might have been, I was one, when you we were somewhere like either towards the end of the ski day or when you we were initially talking, you know, the next day or whenever it was, he mentioned that he was going on a ski trip with some friends to like Tahoe and that I could come and make more ski friends, blah, blah, blah. So he texted me that about getting to Denver. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then later that next day, he texts me again about something. I don't know. We start texting essentially. So we're texting back and forth. And then he mentions about, or he follows up, whichever way it is, about this Lake Tahoe ski trip. And do I want to come? Blah, blah, blah. I can make more ski friends. And I was like, yeah, 100%. He texts, we're texting right now, like, like messages. And he asked me out on a date essentially and was like, actually, I think we FaceTimed before this. Yes, we FaceTimed before this. I think we did. So at one point in the text, he was like, can I, can we talk live tomorrow at like 8 PM? And I was like, what the fuck is talk live? I just thought that in my head, I was like, yeah, we can talk live. I thought that meant you just choose a time to start texting back and forth. I love phoning, but he was texting. So I was like, all right, we'll just text, like texting back and forth. Well, no, he FaceTimes me. And I have just gotten out of the bath, towel on my head, like red face, you know, gotten out of a hot bath or whatever, no makeup. He FaceTimes me. Meanwhile, on his side, he's left his house. So he's undistracted. So his dogs aren't around. He's in the car. He's parked the car. He's changed shirts from the day, gotten all ready to FaceTime me. And I like just, oh, what a good man. Anyway, and so we start talking and we're talking and we're having great conversations and I tell him about my job and my book. So at this point, I'm really writing my book. Whenever I'm skiing, I write my book a lot. And he was asking about my book and I was telling him all about it. And he just, that was our first starting point that made him go, oh my God, like this is my woman. He had asked, he's been asking his mom for years to write a book very similar because she's a very, very high up um person in like management at like a fortune 500 company or whatever. Um, and, uh, she's super feminine. Like she's very much in her feminine, lets men lead X, Y, and Z, but is a very successful woman, successful woman. So whatever, uh, what was I going to say? Then he, when we're texting again, whether it's before or after, I can't quite remember. We're texting and he asked me out on a date whilst we're in Lake Tahoe. He basically said, whilst we're in Lake Tahoe, can I take you out for dinner? I was like, um, maybe not joking on this one. And by the way, I don't want anyone to like replicate this thinking this is going to work for them because everyone's different. You have to trust your intuition, right? This is why the embodiment of dating is helpful because I'm not telling you exactly what to say. It's more about the showing up piece and the embodiment piece, the energy. And I said, maybe. And this was also because I was seeing somebody else. Now we weren't like officially dating boyfriend and girlfriend by any means. We were just seeing each other, but I also respect 
especially as an adult, I don't like seeing a million people at once. I've, you know, I, I sometimes will go out on like a few dates, like early dates with maybe two people at one time, but then that's it. And I just, I can't do multiple people at once. I just, it's too draining for me. So I said, maybe, and then I followed it up with, I am not looking for just a ski fling that then ruins a friendship. I would either ride either, either I said something like, I am only available. I remember saying I'm only available. I'm only available for a committed, fun, healthy, sexy relationship. I remember saying something like that. And he was like, what the fuck? Because that's all he wanted. So again, the alignment, the timing was really important. That's all he wanted. And I then also remember saying that I wasn't up for like a ski fling that would then just ruin a friendship. We're either going to be ski friends or you can take me out properly and I remember also saying to him very early on when we were together that first weekend, I said to him in the car, I remember this because I was so desperate for a ski friend. I said, if this doesn't work like this weekend and we just like don't vibe, can we just be adults, put it aside and still be ski friends? Because I really need ski friends. I remember where we were exactly on the freeway in Denver. And he was like, and I, he just cracked the joke of like, oh, are we like, we're going to see where this goes this weekend, like pretend, like being just cheeky. And I was like, wait, what? I was so confused because I was so nervous. And obviously everything worked out better than we ever could imagine. And he said, of course, if this doesn't work out, we can be friends. And I also pretty sure I remember him saying, I really doubt this isn't going to work out. He was very, very, very sure from the beginning. He actually, when we were FaceTiming early on, he went to go um, to a friend's apartment and he FaceTimed me there. But when he walked in, he said to this friend, who's like a longtime female friend of his, I think I found the one. This is before we even spent our first weekend together. So he knew before I did. I was just like confused, not confused. I was, I was actually not confused. His, the consistency was incredible. I was so, this is, I was like, this is so perfect. It's almost like too good to be true because we are taught that, that it's too good to be true. So our first, so, okay. So that's like the day that we met. We've been talking a lot via text. We had that first FaceTime, which really made us hit it off. And we were just talking incessantly from that moment. I learned a lot from the beginning of us dating that I also put into embodiment of dating. And, um, I actually am pretty sure there's components in embodiment of dating that I even checked with him of things that were really, yes, I did, of things that were really, I've read, I read things that he said, things that were really enticing and everything in the beginning. So that's all in embodiment of dating. So fast forward a little bit. Our first date was a ski weekend together. So we weren't meant to see each other again until maybe like two or three weeks later on this Lake Tahoe trip, but there was a massive snowstorm coming into Colorado and I just left Colorado. Um, I was going to be home for about three days. And then I saw the snowstorm and I said to him, I'm going back skiing next, this, like this coming weekend. There's a snowstorm. My parents are leaving. Like I'm going back there. And, um, he said, can I come? And I was like, absolutely. Then we, and let me, when I say we were talking incessantly, I mean, FaceTiming for hours at nighttime, you know, we would be working a lot throughout the day. And then at nighttime, we'd be talking, FaceTiming all the things. And then one time we were face. One night we were FaceTiming about this trip and whatnot, and he was organizing everything. And of course, I don't fucking know this guy. So he's organizing everything. And I'm like, are things booked? Is he just going to like ghost me? Will he not be there? Because we've met for like, th- you know, like one day. And when you're skiing and talking to somebody, 
you're barely talking. You ski, you're on a chair for two minutes, but you're exhausted listening to music, talking a little bit. It's very much just you ski. You don't really talk that much. Anyway, well, at least the kind of skiing that we do. So he then says, my friends have organized a comedy festival for my birthday. So I really can't fly to Denver and meet you there on Thursday night. But will you? my proposition is, can I fly you down to Atlanta? And then we will fly out the next morning. And I will also break the trip up for you because flying from Atlanta to Denver is like a two-hour trip versus flying New York to Denver is like a three-hour trip. But it's only like an hour and a half from New York to Atlanta. And I was like, I've never been to Atlanta. Sure. Of course, I wasn't going to pay a fucking time. So he paid for everything, flew me down there. And oh my God, was I nervous. Um, anyway, so I land in Atlanta. I've never been to this place before. I'm like, where the fuck is Atlanta? Never been there. Never even really knew it existed. Uh, like I knew it was there, but I really had no interest in ever actually knowing where on the map it was or what is in Atlanta or who, like what kind of person lives there, whatever. It's a huge fucking airport, the biggest airport in the world. I think that's right. Um, or the biggest airport in like the Northern Hemisphere or something like that. Or the busiest airport. It's the busiest airport in the world. I don't think it's the biggest. It's the busiest airport in the world. That's right. Anyway, and so we get there and I'm, I'm there, sorry. And I'm waiting to pick up my ski bag because it's in like the oversized area. And he like runs up right next to me. And because his work kind of finished a little bit late, he was stuck on this meeting. He runs up next to me. He was so stressed. He was telling me again this the other night. He was so stressed about being late because Um, he wanted to make sure that he was early and like there waiting for me. But of course, you know, life happens. And he says to me, can I, miss, can I take this for you? And I thought it was like a worker. And I was like, God, no, like go away. And it was him. And I remember this moment as clear as day. And it was just like, there was just this thing. I don't even know how to describe it. And I don't want anyone to be like looking then for this moment. That's not what I'm saying. Um, because it's undescribable, but I don't know. There was just this moment for a split second. There was just something. And then we went back to his house. Um, and obviously like I'm kind of rushing through this a little bit, went back to his house and, you know, he was just saying great things and whatever. Um, and I was thrown into the deep end. I met a bunch of his friends. I met like his cousin. Um, and I was going to say, I ended up staying the night there. We didn't sleep in the same bed in the beginning. We didn't have sex, just FYI, um, he had booked me a hotel, but our flight was like 6am in the morning and whatever. He was like, look, it's really going to be a lot more convenient. And I understood. And again, I could have just said, I'm my own woman. I a hundred percent going to be like, no, I want to go sleep at a hotel. But I also was like, fuck then him asking to drive to the hotel, pick me up and then go to the airport at like 6am. We're going to miss the flight because we're out obviously the night before. And so he slept in a different room and I slept in his bedroom. He'd like changed the sheets and he was all like, this is your room. I'm not even going to be in here. Like make this space yours, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, this is so nerve wracking. Also, I want to say basically my, my best friend knew that I was here. That was it. My parents didn't, I think my, no, my parents knew that I was going on a ski trip that weekend, but they didn't know like what was happening. I kept it hush, hush because I was just nervous of where is this going to go? I don't want to be, you know, I don't want people to be like, uh, you should not be going to see some like random guy that you've met on a ski trip. You know, of course people are going to try and protect you, but I, I had to trust my gut and just be my own woman in this. So I stayed in his, at his house, stayed in his bed. And there was so much fucking energy. Like after that first kiss, like that kiss just, oh my God, I don't even know what happened. And then 
I couldn't fall asleep. We did not sleep that night. It wasn't because you were having sex. Eventually, you know what I actually did? And this took so much like guts because I was, you know, leading in this exact situation, right? I'm about to say, I phoned him because he's in the other room because I was so, there was just so much energy in my body. He's a massive empath. And I was like, I can't fall asleep. I need you to come into this room. And I was aware that I was in a room that wasn't mine, a house that wasn't mine. And I could feel energy going on outside of the room. And it was just like, I needed someone in there to calm my nervous system down. So he came in and we just, we literally just cuddled the whole, we cuddled and we talked the whole night and he just felt so safe. It was just the most wholesome, safe, easy thing. So we went skiing that weekend and it was just incredible. That weekend was the start of the most intense, incredible relationship I ever could imagine being in. And I really will say I 1000% manifested him. He says it, he loves when I say it. And even just the smallest details of our relationship, I'm like, I manifested this. And I do want to say the most important thing with manifestation is the action piece of it. People forget that. It's the action. Like you have such a key component to play in what you manifest and what you bring into your life. So whilst it's whilst yes, write down the things, have the Pinterest board. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. There was also some really key things that I did before our relationship, during our relationship in things not even related to quote unquote dating and things like health or my friendships, whatever it is, or my business that allowed this, this relationship to flourish and become the physical manifestation of what I'd had in my heart and in my mind for so long. So this was our first weekend together. We went back to the place where we met, um, to go skiing for that weekend. It was actually really funny. So when we arrived, um, uh, he'd booked the wrong day. He'd booked like the day after or something like the, like the night after just instead of tonight, quote unquote, and then tomorrow night. And he sussed it out. No big deal. And this was this this weekend proved to me a lot because of course, in the beginning, you are being tested by the other person just naturally. You're being, you know, it's kind of like an interview. Like, how do you show up? How do you react in situations like this or in stressful, in stressful moments? What do you do? How do you cope? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so as you guys would know, I love to cook and I love healthy food. I will not eat shit food and ski food is fucking vile. Like it just is. I'm sorry. The food on the mountain is disgusting. American breakfasts are not European breakfasts and like at a hotel. So it was a hard no for me. So I said to him from before we, like, before we even had, had this weekend, I don't care where we stay, but it has to have, actually, that's not true. I gave him like, I said to him, I'd love to stay at the Ritz or somewhere else. And I said that the most important thing is that it has to have a kitchen because I need to cook. I need to fucking cook. I need my eggs before I go skiing. I need a healthy dinner, blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, so we're at the Ritz and the first room that we get put into doesn't have a kitchen. And I am just like, don't worry. It's not a big deal. Like I will, I will survive. Please don't worry about it. He, of course, being a man, a masculine man was like, absolutely not. I am getting you a kitchen with the room. If it kills me, sorry, a room with the kitchen, if it kills me. Anyway, we problem solve, power couple it up. And I'm on like VRBO and there's a room available 
at the Ritz with a kitchen. So of course he's phoning, I remember the guy's name, Chris. And it's like, Chris, how come you're telling me that there are no rooms available when I can quite literally book a room right now with a kitchen? He does not give up. Well, I got a beautiful room with a kitchen. It was like a one bedroom, big bathroom, bath, blah, 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 with a kitchen. So I got to cook for him that weekend, cook for me, all that jazz. We had the most incredible weekend skiing. And what was really funny is we hit it off in a way that I can't even explain. And there was all these little moments. I will say I wasn't looking for signs or anything like that, that we were meant to be together, but oh my God, were there moments I just again and again and again, the depth of our conversation, the connection, the ease, the flow, the laughs, the, the smallest moments that we had that were so common that a lot of people don't say those kind of things. As in one night I was talking about how much I love stargazing and he was like, what? No one randomly tells you that they like stargazing. I'm obsessed with stargazing. I'm obsessed. He's obsessed. Just all these little things that we had in common. And this is important because opposites attract feminine and masculine, and you also need to have similarities. If you guys are so opposite that you don't have things in common, it's not going to work. You need to have things in common as well. Dating isn't, you know, finding that person isn't just about who do I have great sex with and who do I, you know, have lust for. It's also about, can this relationship work? Are you a good match? for each other. So we went to the Ritz that weekend and he actually said when we were leaving, we had the best weekend ever. I haven't said that already. He said when we were leaving to the guy packing our car, how long do you reckon we've been together? The guy goes, aren't you guys engaged or something or married? And he literally said, I met her one week ago. They were blown away. I can't wait to go back there. And it's so funny because we travel a lot and people remember us because well, my fiance, no, I was about to say my boyfriend, my fiance, um, he tells everybody our story because he loves it. We love it. People love it because often these fate moments don't exist very much. They don't, they're not as common in the world, right? Everyone's, you know, meeting via mutual friends or set up on dates or dating apps. Again, nothing wrong with that. That's how you find your person amazing. It doesn't matter how you fucking meet your person if you get to meet your person. And let's all not beat around the bush. We love a good story. Everyone's a romantic deep down, even if they don't want to admit it to themselves. So when we go back there this year to go skiing, or next year, I guess, to go skiing, we're not skiing for the rest of the year. I'm really excited to see if any of them remember us. And this time there is a massive rock on my finger. So we have this weekend together and we're driving back down um, to Denver to, to, to fly home and the traffic was abominable. There must, there must have been like a, um, a car accident or something. I can't remember. Usually the drive is about two hours max to get down to the airport. It was four and a half hours, something ridiculous. So of course, naturally we had the deepest conversations. Let me just tell you that from this, from these conversations, I knew that he wanted to marry me. Essentially I did. He basically said it. He basically, I'm going to say, told me, he did tell me that I, that when you know, you know, he said that, um, he was sure he was sure. Now this doesn't mean that if a guy isn't sure within the first weekend, you shouldn't be with him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply sharing our story. In fact, I don't necessarily want you guys to be seeing my story as this is how you have to go date. Or if he doesn't behave like Monica's fiance, then don't be with him because that's not necessarily true because everybody is different. 
you guys want to know my story or our story. Here's our story. That's all it is. So I'm sure there's moments in here that you've learned something. And I also don't want you guys to take our relationship and how we did as the Bible of relationships. There is a lot to learn from our relationship. And the things that are to be learned from our relationship are when I'm giving you guys lessons from our relationship because we've learned them through our relationship together. Things like me making more money, being in a feminine masculine dynamic whilst working a lot or working at home, you know, together. We both work at home. That's a lot. Always being around each other, how we navigate arguments, all those kind of things. They're lessons. There's a hundred percent lessons in here for you guys. And I don't want anyone thinking that this is the only way that you should be dating someone because it depends on you. It depends on him. It depends on the season of life that you're in. It depends on so many factors. What that, like, what do you even do on the first date? That'll make things different. So I'm going to leave the episode here as part one. You guys will get part two in a couple of days time. So please ensure that you are subscribed to the podcast so that you get a notification on your phone. When this episode comes out, please make sure that you leave a review and Really, for any of you that are listening to this, that desperately, deeply, whatever word you want to say, want to find your person to be in the relationship of your dreams, whether you are a man or a woman listening to this, it does not matter. What I'm about to say is the same for every single person. Do the work on yourself. Because if you would like to meet a high quality person, this is really important. If you want to meet a high quality person that is ready for a committed relationship, not, oh, like I think I am, like we'll just see what happens. No, that is openly telling people, I only want to, I'm only spending time with the person that I'm going to marry. If that is what you want, I can guarantee you that the other person, your person, if they are also ready for a relationship, they're not going to be spending time with someone that hasn't worked out their shit, that is projecting all their trauma on everything, that is anxious, that is avoidant, that is blah, blah, blah. If you want that committed relationship from the get-go, the safety, the ease, the masculine-feminine dynamic, if you just want kind of what I've had or what I'm continuing to have, even so far into our relationship, we still have such intense polarity, such amazing communication, so much love for each other. If you're wanting that, the thing that will get you that, and I am not just saying this because it's my job, is you need to heal your shit. Because like he said, you wouldn't have given me the time of day if you met me six months prior. And I wouldn't have because I was in a place where I was only dating high quality men. Now I was dating high quality men. They weren't, they didn't end up being the right ones for me. So goodbye. Very simple. And I said goodbye to them because I'd healed my shit. So it felt quicker to get through that process. For any of you that are feeling like I've been trying this for fucking years and I can't meet my person or whatever it is. One, maybe it isn't actually the right time. Of course, that's a really big factor. Maybe he's not ready, of course. So keep waiting because it'll be worth the wait. I promise you, I would wait. I would go through all of those, those dates, those relationships, those ups and downs. I would go through them a million times over to meet my man. And he said, he said he would go through all of those years of being single a million times over to meet me. And the thing that's going to make it faster and going to make it better and stronger and more committed and healthy as soon as you meet that person is doing the work. We're engaged within 10 months, just under 10 months of meeting each other. We we were together from the get-go. We said, or he said, I love you 
like actually I'll do it in the next episode, but we were boyfriend and girlfriend. I think it was, it was two weeks, but yeah, literally boyfriend and girlfriend. He asked me to be his girlfriend. Like we were, we were already anyway, he wasn't seeing anybody else. And even though, yes, I was seeing someone when I started dating with him, I wasn't like, he wasn't even in the same country as me at the point of us meeting. So we were essentially exclusive from the get-go because we knew there was no fucking around. We knew ourselves. So therefore we knew what we needed, wanted, desired in a relationship. And if you don't know yourself, I guarantee you that you're making it 10 times harder for yourself. You really, really, really are. So next steps, if you are like, fuck, this is me. (laughs) Next steps, reach out to me for one-on-one or join Queen Alchemy. They're going to be the best things for you. Oh, or do embodiment of dating. Some of you need more than that though. So you definitely need the embodiment of dating and one-on-one. Embodiment of dating has a one-on-one in it. There's plenty of you though that need more than just one one one-on-one, but that could be a starting point for you at least. So if you don't know what's best, just send me a message, send an email. Emails are always better than DMs. I see them and get back to you guys faster. Uh, You can send an email to support at monarchyeatshealth.com. And I will see you guys in part two of this episode. Bye.